Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mea Culpa Podcast. They say it ain't over until the fat lady sings. Well, today, Donald Trump sang loud and clear, dropping his ridiculous and retaliatory $500 million lawsuit against me. So for those of you who don't know the details, Trump filed suit against me in April, just days after he pled not guilty to 34 felony counts of falsifying business records in connection with the hush money that he instructed me to pay Stormy Daniels to keep an alleged affair that she had with the former president a secret ahead of the 2016 election. Now, Trump accused me of violating a confidentiality agreement by publicly discussing the work that I did for him in my two best-selling books, this podcast, and television interviews. He thought that by pointing a metaphorical gun at my head that he could shut me up and stop me from telling the truth. Well, he fucking thought wrong because I refused to back down and refused to stop talking. It's this show, ladies and gentlemen, that provided me with the platform to tell the world what needed to be said, and you guys, you all gave me the strength to walk through the fire. In a statement, Trump's team said the former president's schedule is the reason for withdrawing the suit, while suggesting that it's just a temporary measure. And here's what they said. Given that President Trump is required to sit for deposition in a civil matter on Columbus Day, when he is scheduled to be in the great state of New Hampshire, and while the president is fighting against the meritless claims that have been lodged against him in New York, Washington, D.C., Florida, and Georgia, as well as continuing his winning campaign where he is leading the Republicans by 60 points and crooked Joe Biden by 11 points to serve as our next president of the United States, President Trump has decided to temporarily pause his meritorious claim against Michael Cohen, the statement said. And moving on, once President Trump has prevailed in dealing with the witch hunts against him, he will continue to pursue his claims against Michael Cohen, who rightfully deserves to and will be held accountable for his unlawful words and actions. (laughs) Really, okay, Uh, let's now talk about the real reason that he dropped the lawsuit. And why? Because the man is scared shitless. You see, Trump was scheduled to sit for a deposition on Monday, October 9th. But with four criminal trials pending and his ongoing fraud trial, the former president turned tail and ran. For the first time in a long time, Trump took the advice of his counsel and did the smart thing and elected not to dig himself a deeper hole. He filed the suit to keep me quiet, to intimidate me into silence. It was meant as a threat. Keep quiet or we'll hurt you. So guess what? I never stopped talking or testifying. And while I've grown stronger from these acts of service to my city and my country, well, Trump has grown weaker. You see, It seems now that instead of the fat lady, he's more like the incredible shrinking man as he is ground down by the legal system. Last week's ruling by Judge Ngoron has really neutered the former president. And in one fell swoop, Donnie has lost his business and what will likely be his fortune. And with that, his power and sense of self. Last week, 
Forbes even announced that they were dropping him from their list of the 400 richest people in the world. Their note was deliciously cruel, which undoubtedly rubbed salt in his wounds. And here's what they said. Donald Trump is no longer rich enough for the country's most exclusive club. With an estimated $2.6 billion fortune, he is $300 million shy of the cutoff for the Forbes 400, ranking of America's richest people, the annual measurement that Trump has obsessed over for decades, relentlessly lying to reporters to try to vault himself higher on the list. Now, according to reporter Dan Alexander, the ex-president's net worth has dropped more than $600 million from a year ago, largely thanks to the social media network he founded after being kicked off the platform formerly known as Twitter for inciting an attack on the Capitol. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Trump is still embroiled in the pesky fraud trial and faces more than a $250 million penalty, not to mention the liquidation of his most prized properties. So let's face it, the man is completely and totally fucked. He even lost his desperate appeal on Friday to overturn Goron's ruling. Trump's lawyers had asked the state's intermediate appellate court to suspend the trial and prevent Judge Arthur Ngoron from enforcing a ruling that he made last week. Ngoron's decision revoked the Republican presidential frontrunner's business licenses and puts a court-appointed receiver in charge of his companies. So instead of getting grilled by my lawyers and watching his business get further decimated, Well, what did Trump do? He decided to split town. It seems his eyes and attention are focused on the House Speaker fight and the potential that he could become the interim Speaker. The United States Constitution does not require the House Speaker to be a member of Congress. Far-right members like Matt Gaetz and Marjorie Toilet Greene, they're out there urging Trump to throw his hat in the ring. So Trump, for his part, has thrown his support behind Representative Jim Jordan, chairman of the powerful House Judiciary Committee. Trump has said, however, that he would consider serving as Speaker in an interim capacity if needed. That prospect could get more serious consideration if neither Jordan nor House Majority Leader Steve Scalise, who also is in the running, can get majority support in the full chamber. But the news is more ridiculous than frightening. When Trump's name was added to the list by Gates, you know what there was? There was fucking laughter on the floor. And now for the main event. Joining us today is our old friend Harry Littman, the former U.S. Attorney and Deputy Assistant Attorney General. Littman is currently the legal affairs columnist for the Los Angeles Times and a professor of constitutional law at both UCLA and UCSD. Harry can be seen as a legal and political commentator on CBS, NPR, MSNBC, as well as CNN. Littman is also the creator and host of the Talking Feds podcast. So you'd be smart to subscribe to the Talking Feds YouTube channel. 
because new episodes are posted daily and he features the greatest legal minds and tough as nails former prosecutors who every day break down the legal news and all things Trump indictment. But today, Harry is here with us to give us the rundown on the latest in Trump's four criminal indictments and the continued fallout from Judge and Goron's ruling. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Harry, let's start today by discussing the larger fallout of Judge and Goron's ruling. I mean, what in your mind happens to Trump politically as well as legally as he faces the reality of the so-called corporate death penalty? Oh, all right. So we're, you're not talking about the gag order. You're talking about the fraud trial. Yeah. So if that's right, first, you would know this better than me. And let me just say, as I always do about this case that has become front and center, it is the case that Michael Cohen built from you from the congressional uh testimony to me and i've done my best to take a cra crash course in new york law it's devastating uh it's it's you know I, a, a big financial hit but control if he if he does can't say what happens with 40 wall street with trump tower with the golf courses in new york and and even the you know other llc's we don't know about even though with complicated corporate arrangements, he'll still have things that he can mess around with. To me, that not only really is a, is a body blow of near mortal force, but really hits him where he breathes. You would know this better. But some of the criminal stuff, he almost seems to relish in a weird way. This is really calling him out as a fraud for his whole career, for the things he cares most about. I think this wounds him deeply, both in practical terms and psychological terms. Yeah, Look, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. I will say to you this. If, in fact, the corporate death penalty is imposed, and I understand that the first count, Judge Ngoron, found them guilty of fraud. That's right. And that the move right now is to declare the um, certificates of that incorporation invalid. Those incorporations, fact, they've been they've been right. Banned. I was gonna I was gonna get to that because the incorporation is of the Trump Corporation, which is what it's L, uh, INC LLC, whatever it's called. And you would know there this better than me, five or but six. that's not the Trump organization, which seems to just be this free-floating umbrella term out there. Yeah. Right. The real name is the Trump Corporation. Um, the interesting thing is that there are like 600 sister-related entities, right. all that have a connection into the Trump Corporation. Those two are no longer pursuant to this decision. They're no longer allowed to operate in the state of New York, Maybe. you know, as I understand it, you would know better. But he has to take take the further step of basically saying, uh, Trump Jr., Eric, you can't mess around with with anything for five years. Otherwise, I don't know if his order encompasses all this, all the you know sister courts or not. So it's either big or totally comprehensive. You would know better, but uh, that's still. I've been trying hard to figure it out. It's it's pretty murky. Well, again, if there's connections to it, you just can't uh, walk away from the fact that the certificates, the stock um, certificates are now all declared invalid, thereby basically disgorging the entire Trump corporation of whatever 
monies that they allegedly had made as a result of their improper activities. Can I ask you a question? Can it's I ask why, you a question, Michael? Of course, of course. Well, so is that right as to your, you know, all these sort of six hundred sister corps, or is, is there an identified list of LLCs that may or may not include all his, uh, you know, corporate interests in the Empire State? Right. So. The ones that are involved with the state of New York, these are the ones that get yep. affected all of them? Okay. by this decision. Yeah, all of them. The ones, for example, in Florida, Mar-a-Lago, unless there is some sort of a connection, but they'll end up trying to move that anyway. Here's where Tish James really thought through this. I mean, you could, Donald could say whatever he wants about her. He could call her nasty names like racist and, you know, and stupid and whatever he wants to say. Far from it. Let me tell you, when she turned around and she claims that there's going to be a baseline of $250 million, which is what they're seeking, that doesn't mean that it's $250 million, um, you know, settlement. It's the base, it's the least amount that she would go for. I understand from, of course, my contacts there uh, and my relationship to this case that the amount is substantially higher. Right. I mean, I say substantially, I, yeah. more, than, more than double. So if, in fact, that's true, because you used 40 Wall Street as an example, let me tell you the problem that Donald has when it comes to 40 Wall Street. He owns 40 Wall Street, which, by the way, happens to be a land lease. So he doesn't own the land. He owns the, um, the right to have the building on it. I think it's maybe another 80 years or something like that. It was renewed. What's the value of a land lease office space? 1.2 million square feet. Let's assume, and I'm just going to go with a, with a very high number of $400 million. It's not. But especially, again, it all goes about how do you go ahead and make a determination on what something's worth? Well, you know, you could do it by square footage. You could do it by um, the profitability. You know, nobody wants to buy something and lose money on it. So you're going to pay an amount that's going to give you a rate of return that you're acceptable with. Here's the problem for him. So if it goes for $400 million, and let's suppose, presume that... He has a $100 million mortgage on that property. He sells for $400. He has a $100 million mortgage. Well, you know what else? The second he sells that, he's got New York state taxes to pay. And based upon the fact that, you know, he was, it's not what you are now, but at the time he's a New York resident, New York City resident, the property is in New York City. You're probably looking at like a 50% tax on that property so he ends up with 200 million minus the 100 million dollars there's basically a hundred million dollars left over for the sale of what he calls a trophy property in downtown manhattan across the street and i'll just add right. one thing which is none of these things have to do with his own business acumen such as it is or isn't it's going to be given over to a receiver a neutral party who will be thinking of the value of the llc and in con 
conjunction with the judge will decide what to do with it. You're right that the proceeds will go to Trump, who owned it before, but these decisions are all out of his control, which you know I, you, you would know better than I, but I think that is in itself a huge kind of you know affront and frustration. But the receiver's first job is to dis, uh, dispose of the assets at the highest possible yes. um, you know, rate available for the sole purpose of paying off any judgment that this case may end up ruling upon. Back, so, back to the yeah, 500 million if, or more, right. Exactly. And there's not $500 million of equity in all of these assets, especially after you pay the tax to Uncle Sam on the sale. So you really do see there. this, Michael, as the corporate death penalty, at least I at do. least if it's not reversed on appeal, because obviously he's cruising for bruising almost on purpose at the level of the judge. He, he expressed frustration in court. Did you see this? He gesticulated when when it came out that, you know, why don't I have a jury? So he, he knows he knows where it where the, the cliff he's driving off. Yeah, well, he doesn't have a jury because his lawyers made a mistake. You know, they could sit and they could now, they're blaming each other. You have Alina Haba, who, in my opinion, is the one who made the mistake, yeah. my opinion. Uh, she, of course, is blaming Chris Kyes. I don't believe he was even involved in the case at the time. There's a box to check right. off. They checked, the, they checked the wrong box. And now all of a sudden he's like, he's being deprived. Always the victim, right? He's always the victim. He's being deprived of his right to a jury trial. Now, some people believe that it could be a strategy and that the strategy is to keep bitching and complaining about it, create an appealable issue, and also to garner sympathy from these MAGA morons so they keep sending him more and more money. I don't know. It's with Donald, it's impossible to figure out what really went on because everything is a lie. Everything he says is clouded and tainted. And so it's very hard to figure out what went on here. But my opinion, if asked, they made a, mis they yeah. made a mistake. I mean, it was. I've learned more about it. It wouldn't have been uh, automatic, but they, they certainly could have tried. Yeah, I was just on TV and, and, my, and I said, look, this trial, on the one hand, it's both very complicated and very simple. So the complicated one is... You know, the former accountant on the stand and generally accepted accounting principles and clause 15, subpart three, asterisk. But the simple one that Tish James's lawyers keep going back to, four words, it's the lie, stupid. So, you know, he can try to um, uh, challenge the professional responsibilities of Mazers and others, but we're talking about whoppers that he that he told and that the judge, by the way, so far as we can tell, he's getting frustrated with the lawyers because, among other things, they're not just being ponderous, but they're trying to retread ground that the that that Engeron's already put off limits about fraud itself, about the statutes of limitations and the like. So, you know, there are evidentiary issues on the remaining counts, uh, but they always come back to. You know, when you say 30,000 and it's really 10,000 feet, you know, it's totally bogus to say, oh, it's just, you know, subjective evaluation. You, you do it in good faith and they lied. And that's it's the lie, stupid. That's the, the ball I try to keep my eye on here. Yeah. So let me ask you this then. How quickly, because you brought up that whole issue of the gag order yeah. for whatever reason. And I is long as I've known Donald and as well as I feel that I understand him, 
This one I don't understand. He knows Angoran already warned everybody. All right? I'm not playing these games. All right? The next thing that Donald does is he goes on his Truth Social and he posts a photo of the law clerk of Judge Angoran with Chuck Schumer making all sorts of wild rumors that, you know, um, lies, they're having some sort of lies. a relationship. Lies, yeah. lies. It's no different than what he had Matt Gates do to me when I was <laughs> sitting there at the House Oversight Committee yeah. and, the, and right before, the night before yeah. testifying, Gates sends me a text message. Hey, just so you know that we're going to release all this information about you and women and rest assured, your wife isn't going to be too happy about it. Well, <laughs> I showed it to my wife, and she's like, huh? And I was like, exactly. All right? It's bullshit. All right? Um, nothing's... And then, of course, he then retracts it, apologizes for it. Sean Hannity actually writes the apology for him and all that. This is part of their game. They want to fuck with you yeah. and your family. They want to cause you as much pain as they possibly fear. can. Fear. That's yeah. fear. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, Which is no well, different than why right. he filed that $500 million lawsuit against me. It's all about fear and obstructing justice. Now, we don't know just what Angeron told uh, Trump and his lawyers backstage on Monday. But if he said, by the way, don't even think about messing with my court personnel. And this is, as you say, his sort of professional, longstanding uh, clerk. She gets to ask questions of the witnesses and, and, and the like. Then then, yes, it's like, why did he then just, you know, step on the third rail? I expect it was more general, but then he did it. I, I think it's kind of significant. He does it. The judge is really pissed. He reads him, well, everyone, the Riot Act, and it goes down. Trump complies and in short order. Now, leaving the court, he still trashes Letitia James. He still trashes the judge. So we'll see if uh, I do think this is the kind of judge who would have no problem expanding a gag order and eventually saying you do it again, you're going to jail and following through. But, you know, the real um, uh, import, the Super Bowl, as it were, of the gag order is going to be in the D.C. trial and Judge Chutkin, who's having a hearing October 16th. And I think for her purposes, it matters that somebody now has kind of you know, opened the Pandora's box or whatever, has actually imposed a gag order and made him uh, made him stick with it. So we'll see if Angeron does more. But, you know, the uh, that, that he, he did the most narrowly tailored possible where Trump couldn't have any argument. Oh, how can I run my campaign if I can't trash court staff? But still, he, uh, you know, he fell into hmm. line and quickly that I thought was noteworthy. So then how how quickly do you think that Trump will violate this gag order that Angoran placed on him? I don't think because, he will because it's so well, simple, Michael. It's just all he has to do is avoid trashing court personnel. I mean, people on his staff. That's at least what he said. The, the, he said, take this as a gag order. He didn't really even issue one. And what he said is personal attacks on members of my court staff are unacceptable. Of course they are. So, and you can take what I've just said as a gag order, super narrow. So I don't think he will again trash court staff. Big deal. 
because he may still trust the judge. And so if the judge expands it, then we'll see. But this this little one that he issued, I don't think uh, Trump will mess with it anymore. What's he got to win from, you know, trashing court staff anyway? That that nothing. People don't even know who those yeah, people nothing. are. Yeah. Although the the court yeah, staff, totally of course, know. And if some if somebody were to threaten her now, ooh, you know, that's what we're you're always worried about is not Trump, but his crazy lone, you know, lone wolf acolyte, like with Judge Chutkin, a stranger in Texas calls up and says, "We're going to kill you." He's in that sense. He is worse than a mob boss because he has crazies out there that he really doesn't control. And he says crap and and they spring into action. It's a really harrowing situation for the justice system. Yes, it is. And that needs to be expanded. You know, I'm due to testify. I've been subpoenaed, as you're well aware, by the AG to come in as a prosecutor's witness in this uh, in this case. And one of the concerns that I have, and I've expressed it uh, both to them, I've expressed it in the media. I know that Judge Angoron, and rightfully so, certainly has police protection. I know the prosecutorial line, they all have. I know now, God forbid, something happens with the clerk. When she's at work, there's officers everywhere. They're in the courthouse. What about the witnesses? Yeah. What about those of us that they're asking to spend how many days being exa- cross-examined and di- you know, with, and then direct examination and cross-examination? How many days? And then at the end of the at the end of that, what about Michael Cohen? So what are they yeah, going to do? They're going to walk sorry into a to say, Michael. I mean, my answer is totally, but you're you're in a sense being overly. Uh, and what about Michael Cohen? Because in a sense, you're being overly generous. You are a category of one. You figured in the opening statements of both people. It's arguable that the centerpiece of the Trump defense, because you know it's bogus to say we're going to call 130 people. Maybe they call a tenth of that. They're going to do everything they can to dirty you up. And they'll, you know, there's some things that they can work with. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if your cross-examination last two days and it's going to be very public you know you're you're the guy who brought all this to light and you've already paid a huge cost but it, it you know there the the risks are still higher and i don't know what to say about that it's ultimately the lookout of the da's office uh i'll just say that again because my guys are barking you're able to just cut this lisa right <laughs> Don't worry about it. Just All right, I it's ultimately the lookout of the DA's office, but but really, you know what what uh, can anyone uh, do? So you know, I I totally hear where you're um, coming from, and you I really do think uh, you're a category of one in this um, lawsuit, both in terms of how much time you're going to have to put in, and they're going to want you to prepare down to you know every question uh and how how much you're going to be the focus of the um defense that that trump is going to mount so yeah i it's it's i i can totally understand why it you know it's something that worries you and worries your family yeah i mean look you know i still want to live my life yeah i still you know walk around in the streets i still go to restaurants i'm not I mean, I'm not walking around, you know, with, uh, you know, with protection. Right. 
there are times that I have people that want to come over, thank me, shake my hand, take a selfie. But then I have the occasional where they start cursing at me, yelling at me, throw shit at me, you know, threaten me. You never know in today's mixed up crazy MAGA world. You don't know who they are. You don't know what they're carrying. You don't know what their intentions are. And you know what? While I, while I want to see Donald Trump held accountable, and I have done more to ensure accountability than anybody, and yet have received absolutely nothing. I've asked for nothing, and nobody has given me anything. That's I've a even big gone point, to the by court. the way. You could ask for something, and they'll give you. It, it won't be enough, but there are things that they'll do. But if, look, we just found out from Mitt Romney that. Senators were scared to vote for impeachment because of the costs and risks to their families. And you are out front and center. This is sort of the dead center uh, of of what is so um, noxious and and autocratic about him. This is what fascists do. I, I resist the analogies too quickly to 1933 and the like, but they try to normalize violence and and uh, institutionalize fear and yeah i you know i can only imagine what uh what magalan would would do if they could uh, you know operate with impunity with respect to you michael it's really true and it's un and it's unfair yep. and i can't believe i mean when i was first um subpoenaed and i reached out to the prosecutorial line at the ag's office uh, there were you know well it'll be it'll probably be one day It'll be, you know, it'll be one day. And in my mind, I know this is, this is crazy. It's like people always say to me, you know, you look tired. You look exhausted. I'm mentally tired. I really am. And the mental tiredness creates the physical tiredness. It's hard to sleep because my mind is constantly running. Right. You know, um, and I mean, three days to be on a stand? I mean, it's, I did that already. I did that the time that I testified Last before the House. Yeah. The day before, I testified before the Senate Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. And the day after the live House Oversight Committee hearing, I testified for another seven, eight hours before the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. Yeah. So I know what it's like. It is exhausting. And here, I, I assure you, Cliff Robert, Alina Haba, Chris Keis, they have already made crystal clear that their intention is to bloody up Cohen, right? They have a Michael he's, Cohen binder, uh, Michael. You can be sure that's like this already, yeah. And, and look, I don't know what they intend to ask. I certainly hope that it stays focused on this case, that they're not talking about Oh, well, did you have a fist fight in fifth grade right. with little Billy in the, you know, in the parking lot of your number one school, et cetera, et cetera. I hope that, you know, I hope that that's not where they're going because I'm not there to play fucking games, you know, and, you know, I have a very foul mouth and I don't give a shit. I really don't. I'll be more than happy to turn around and to say exactly the way I speak here, raw and unfiltered when you, they want to start will coming you have a at lawyer me. there? For yourself? Yes. Yeah, so Danya Perry and her entire team okay. will be there. But remember something, and she's great. I mean, she's beyond great. She's not allowed to object. Yeah, that's right. 
that's the whole problem. Party. But there, that you, you put your finger on it with the with the Billy in fifth grade. You know everything you get, and you're good at this now. You know you just uh, you know straightforwardly uh, answer, tell them whatever the facts are. Don't don't look like you're hiding. But when it gets a field, or how long? When did you stop beating your wife? There are there are forceful objections that that the DA should be making. And at least uh, you mean we'll the, AG be able to let this, the AG in this. Yeah, I'm sorry. The, the AG the, in this the, case. The, 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 and the let's not forget. By the time this bullshit is that's, over, that's 403. That's 401. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. But you remember when this bullshit is finally over, then I'm supposed to be testifying before the Manhattan DA yeah. for the criminal case in there. So this, there's so much that's put on my shoulders. You know, there you was everything um, about the day you first walked in and tried to get a job there, and like the road not I taken. Didn't. No, that's not even the story, my brother. Yeah. He asked me. Yeah. He asked me to come work for him. I, I went to, he asked me to come to meet him for lunch. He owed me about 100 grand in legal fees. Oh, you'd already worked And he turned around company. and he said, yeah. So he had said, no, no, but I was outside. I was over at the firm Philip Snyzer. And so he turned around and he said to me, I'll tell you what, why don't you come work for me? He goes, leave that sleepy old firm and come work here as my executive vice president and special counsel. And I was like, and then I was like, well, what about my hundred grand? He goes, what, do you want to get fired on your first day? And it's, he didn't, didn't want to pay it. But on top of that, he realized that there was something that I would be able to do for him. Yeah. Never thinking, of course, it would be this. Right. But, you know, believing that there was something that I can do for him. So, look, Harry, yeah. you recently wrote that, and I quote, I think there's a part of Trump that is almost proud to be the subject of criminal charges. As he said about paying no taxes, it shows he's smart. But to be accused of having been a sham all his life and grossly inflating his fortune, that's an abject humiliation. So do me a favor and discuss with my listeners the impact that him being revealed as a sham will have on the public at large. I mean, do you think that MAGA fanatics who would vote for him, even if he shot someone in the face on Fifth Avenue, finally would walk away as a direct result of this? So now we're getting not just about him, but in the, the, the response of the electorate. We're getting, you know, really into uh, questions that I, I usually find inscrutable. But I'll just say this. He really cares I honestly don't think he doesn't want to go to jail, but I honestly don't think he cares that he kept those documents that he shouldn't have because they're his. I honestly don't think uh, he cares that he tried to foment an insurrection because, uh, you know, that shows his power. But my sense is his whole life in New York, the real, real players turned their nose up at him, never really accepted him as a real player. This gets all caught up in weird Oedipal issues with daddy. And is he a success or was it all a kind of, you know, smoke and mirrors operation? And my sense is this really does hit him where he breathes. Now, would it have the same? So in that sense, I do think Abject humiliation about uh, says it. Now, what about on the electorate? Because the people who, you know, I mean, you just have certain irrational uh, uh, people that you don't, they don't even spout, you know, reasons. 
do if if people understood he was a failure with a capital F, you know, is that a big part of why they're supporting him because they think he's a good businessman? You know, it strikes me that there's some for whom that's a cohort and knowing that he, you know, it's a whole, it's a house of cards might matter. But you'll also, I think you'd still hear a lot of people say, well, you know, he ran, he, he ran the economy well, or well, he gives it to the libs or whatever they say. So um, now, you know, at, at this point, however, remember the guy's never had 50% in his life and we're dealing if, if some event, you know, shaves off two, three, 4%, that's huge in the overall calculation because everything for him, everything is riding on the roulette wheel coming up double zero or whatever the analogy is. He's got to win. So in that sense, a small marginal impact is a large one on the political scene. But the I, I think the Trump support has shown itself to be sufficiently irrational over the last several years that even if you know, the emperor has no clothes of the very sort he most cares about, that he's some kind of financial wizard, which, you know, is, a, is I guess, people who really know think it's a joke. I, I, I think he'd still have a lot of support. You know, the one thing he's ever been good at is bilking people for $200 donations that they can't afford. I assume mm-hmm. that would go forward. But he's always, I mean, he yeah, lost he a billion dollars as a businessman. What more do you have to say, you know? He never made a dime. It's all losses. So, yeah. What's truly amazing is guys like Walt Masterson. Yeah. He's out and he's trolling a lot of these MAGA maniacs. And they, he's asked the question of several of them. If Donald Trump is found guilty and he's in jail. Oh, okay. In a criminal case. Would you still, would you still vote for him? Mm -hmm. That's presupposing some of these trials, these criminal trials, take uh, take place and have a result that ends up Donald to be incarcerated. He's actually incarcerated. Would you still vote for him? And these people turn around and they say, doesn't make a difference what right, he does. Right, right. That if he has to run this government, this country from jail, he could do it. Because he's Donald Trump. Donald. And I scratch my head and I say, holy shit. Yeah. You know, these people are so delusional. You know, it's funny. It's, uh, it, I mean, even a mother doesn't think like that about her <laughs> child, right? Where, like, if you said to my mother, right, do you think that Michael could run the US government from prison? She'd turn around and she would, she'd laugh at your face. What are you, an idiot? Right? I mean, the fact that yeah. somebody would even vote for him at this time, at this point in time, forgetting about what the ultimate results will be, twice impeached, four indictments, 91 charges against him, accused and found guilty of sexual assault. On top of that, his company found guilty of fraud and he lies all the time. So all these things that he says he does, he doesn't do, if you care about anything. I know, I've really scratched my head on that. I do think part of it, you know, is that no matter what, from jail or the eighth circle of hell, he really represents the grievance that a lot of people in red America understandably have 
for, you know, these like uh, high minded cultural elite types who they think look down on them and give out preferences to to um, on the basis of race and all that stuff. If that is and and I disclaim forever the, you know, the authoritative uh, psychological um, uh, explanations for Trump. But to the extent that's part of it. You know, that abides wherever, wherever the dude is, if, you know, so, but it's just, you can't overstate the, the stakes of the upcoming election. You know, if he were, now if he loses by uh, two votes and they don't, and he doesn't manage to um, cheat, cheat, everything goes away and it's all, all good. Uh, But if he wins, it's, you know, really a the possible um, end or or grave gravest crisis ever to the American experiment. The you know the stakes are just so 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 um, high. It's crazy. I was um, I was talking to somebody. Apparently, Sam Bankman Fried is now on trial. But there were people who were talking about mm-hmm. it would be worth five billion dollars just to give to him and make him go away to some island somewhere just for the uh you know the the country and it'd be worth a hundred times that of course um but um you know because in part we've been so careful about trying to uh insulate from charges of you're politicizing this it it now goes he's in the maw of the of the law and I don't know if he's convicted I, I I think they're you know they'll they'll you know, the the time for some kind of broader like solution just like Nixon just just get the hell out of here stop talking and we'll let you slide that's gone I think he's now you know being dealt with the way every other accused criminal is and you know the price for just getting him the hell out of our lives might be many years for him in a Georgia state prison or a, a federal pen. You know, that's, that's uh, what, what it may all come down to, but, but it beats the alternative. Yes. I'm, I'm going to bring up a question on Go this sort it. of point. Since we're speaking of the upcoming trial, which one you actually wrote something. Yeah. Um, well, any one of them, right. You actually wrote that. And I'm going to quote pretty soon. The Trump fraud trial will turn into a forensic slog and Trump will stop showing up. Yeah. Interestingly enough, he's already gone. So yeah. he's already on his way back. He was there for two days. Yeah. He did Monday two and, and Tuesday, yeah. showed up Wednesday. And by lunchtime, he's already on his and way. And he'd already missed part of that is such bad form. He already just absented himself during testimony. I can't tell you how uh how you know low class that is but yeah you're right so he's gone now yeah he's gone okay so tish james in this fraud trial and her prosecutorial staff will be making progress every single day witness testimony witness more testimony etc etc yeah also you can bet that the 100 plus defense witnesses, as you said, I'm going to say, will ultimately turn out to be like one tenth of that amount. Yeah. Sort of like Trump valuations right. at issue. Right. So do me a favor, unpack for me yeah. what, what they bring to light during this forensic slog and what else can be done to Trump that hasn't already been done, financially speaking, of course. Okay. Great question. And the short answer is a lot. So 
um, as you said yourself, Michael, the 250 is just her straight up um, estimate of what how much is ill gotten and therefore has to be disgorged under New York law. But they'll be going at that. And then there are several counts. Some of them turn on intent as the main fraud one didn't, and they'll be going at that. But the form of it will be this very dull, with the exception, I got to say, of witness for the prosecution, Michael Cohen, will be, you know, guys with green eye shades saying, oh, it's right here, he said, 10 gazillion dollars, and, and oh, it's right here, it's actually worth a buck and a half. So, but but that's with a lot of paper, et cetera. Now, normally you'd be worried, is a jury following, et cetera? But, but this is being done to a judge, and the judge himself pronounces himself really familiar with fraud. Moreover, they know they're going to lose, and he's going to clobber them. So what they should be doing is enough to, to um, preserve issues on appeal, but at least based on this first witness. So this is one reason I said you may need to prepare, my friend, for two days of cross-examination after one day of direct. They take this first witness, the Mazers accountant, and they go through every single thing to the point where the judge himself says, this is ridiculous and bangs the, uh, you know, his his uh, seat, something you don't want any judge to do. Although, again, he's not in front of a jury. He is the jury. So that matters. So we're going to have, on the one hand, the slog of proving. Uh, but on the other, what's always coming through that Tish James will be emphasizing is the shining uh, consistent point. It's the lie, stupid, and he must have known about it. There are basically the six counts. There are six counts remaining. There, it's a conspiracy and substantive count for basically lying about some monies and and bilking insurance companies. And then they will have these, you know, slogs of um, trying to get things on, on on cross examination. The other drama, of course, will be if Tish James calls Trump or Eric Trump or Donald Trump Jr. to the stand. And I don't think people recognize they can still assert the fifth if they do. Um, and Goran can take it as a because it's a civil case as a inference, mm -hmm. they would have set, had bad stuff for themselves. But they've already waived to the extent they've had depositions. They can't now say as to questions they answered before, oh, I invoked the fifth. So that much will come up. But it will be, the reason I say forensic slog is the biggest part of it, and the sort of theme of it will be establishing on paper, never great jury appeal, but they have it buttoned down, you can be sure, how, you know, these evaluations were really way out of line and maybe some eyewitness testimony. Well, uh, you know, Weiselberg said this or or um, I told Trump uh, that that's a boring time if you're a juror. Um, but the um, he, he um, uh, said months and months said, but I think it's going to be maybe six weeks to, to two months for the prosecution with some long cross examinations. And then what's Trump going to do uh, if he takes the stand as a defense witness? And, it, you know, he can be called and, and advert and treated as a hostile witness by the prosecution. If he gets up and takes the stand now, he's waiving his Fifth Amendment rights and he'll get Mm -hmm. lacerated. And there's just a lot of things. I, I think when push comes to shove, they're not going to have much to say. And they know, again, 
they know they're going to lose and they want to be preserving issues for appeal. But this is a bloodbath and 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 it's the 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 bathroom that in the in the mansion is where that he cares the most about. And I think we're looking at really killer findings. Again, the the fact fact finder here is the judge himself, who Trump has been trashing, who has already said the lawyers, you know, he, there there's obviously no love lost, and you know he's going to have to um, put pin all his hopes on the appeal for the New York Intermediate Court. So that's my kind of uh, quick uh, thumb thumbnail of what what the next two months portend. So let me ask you this: being a former prosecutor yourself. So now you have Michael Cohen on the stand. And you, Harry, simply because we've had many, many conversations, not just here on Mea Culpa, but privately, offline. What question do you think that defense counsel will try to press me on? Their goal, of course, is to not just disparage me, but to tried to create the the image that I am not a trustworthy um, witness and that the case should be dismissed or the amount should be reduced or whatever it might be because the case, which was started by Michael Cohen's testimony, cannot be relied upon because he's not a credible witness. Yeah. And I like how this, I like how this ass clown... Uh, you know, lawyer of theirs um, oh, turns Hava, around yeah. and says, no, not Hava. Oh, oh, um, Kais? Okay. No, not Kais. It's the third one. Laro? I always forget his name. He's got the two. No, he's got the two first names. Okay, whatever. Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I always find that he put out this thing that Michael Cohen uh, lies to everyone, yeah. you know, and that he's not a trustworthy witness and so on. First of all, he happens to be the same lawyer um, that was involved in the case when I sued Trump for the legal fees that we won. Uh, he lost every single motion in limine as well. Um, you know, he's, I think he's a plaintiff's civil litigator for personal injury claims. So you got a personal injury lawyer, you got a parking lot lawyer, and then you got Chris Kyes, right? My question to you is, what do you think that they're going to go after And do you think it'll be something that is part of this case, meaning it has to do? Or do you think they're going to try to go after personal issues um, or something else? I just don't know, because I did sit for like a seven hour deposition with them. Are they subject to the to the issues that were raised in the deposition or is this a free for all? I'm just curious. Okay. Here's what's going to happen, I think. Um, and don't don't whether or not they can set up some motion. They're going to be going at first and foremost credibility, and then second, a little bit bias. You have it in for Trump. He puts you in this position. He didn't pay you. Blah blah blah. But it's going to be, uh, you know, every, if you didn't beat up little Billy, but you uh, uh, you built him of his lunch money. I mean, the every so it's. All gonna be every lie or or act of dishonesty you ever committed, 
Uh, they have to have a good faith basis for going at it, but that's what they're going to try to they're they're going to try to lacerate you as someone who you know it can't be can't be relied on, and all that stuff becomes fair game. You've been there, you know this. I think you're excellent at you know not trying to wriggle out or pretend. If you if that's what you said, that's what you said, and you just sort of in a bland way. Well, I'm not giving you. Sorry, I don't mean to. You've got plenty of good lawyers starting with Danya. But but yes, credibility and everything. It doesn't have to have shown up as a practical matter. There's some little rules, but it, as a practical matter, it doesn't matter if they asked you about it in the seven hours. Anything and everything that could cast your credibility in a bad light. And the attorney general can only protect you so much during cross presumably on redirect they come back and explain why well actually that one was true and this you know but um yeah it's gonna be this really unpleasant couple days where it's it's not really about the case because by testifying which you're doing under compulsion of law of course you are putting your credibility at issue in front of the judge so you know anything taxi medallions anything that they can try mm -hmm. to persuade is not too crazy far afield because that's a different kind of objection but goes to your credibility honesty etc becomes that that's not just fair game but that that'll be the grist for the mill again and again and again and again i bet you're gonna have because you know they have some things to to do with but they can't you know there's only so much but you're gonna have some objections and some expressions from the judge saying, we talked about that already, counsel, please move on. Yes, we know that Mr. Cohen served, et cetera. Uh, but it's all about credibility and making you out to be, you know, completely unreliable. Understood. Even assuming that I took little Billy's money yeah. in third grade, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. What's the relevance to this case? Great point. And what's the relevance? What's the relevance even to my to my credibility? Here's the deal. You know this again as being the prosecutor that you are and were. Um, they certainly used the testimony of Sammy the Bull Gravano to go after John Gotti. Didn't kill anybody here. So if his testimony is honest and truthful for whatever the specific crime is. What's the difference for everything else? I mean, is it just simply to beat me up? I'll tell you where the problem that I... Shall I answer that first? ...have some issues with? Of course. Yeah, so it's a great question. And by the way, John Gleason, who uh, is, you know, practices on 61st and put Sammy the Bull on, you should have him on sometime. He's a lawyer's lawyer because you're exactly right. At the end of the day, though, the AG will, will stand up and say, look, he's telling the truth now, and that's what matters. But under the rules of evidence, because you're a witness, it is little Billy might be just too far afield. We only learned that much about Michael Cohen's credibility, Your Honor, so excluded. And he'll say, yes, I'll exclude it. But anything we learn uh, about credibility becomes relevant under the rules of evidence because you're a witness. Even though it's got not a damn thing to do with this case, the way it will work is 
They want to get every black mark they can. Then they argue that to the judge in theory, just to say, don't believe his, his testimony about this case. And then the AG will come back and say, you can believe his testimony about this case. You saw your honor, his demeanor. You He was very upfront about things that he had been untruthful about before, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a kind of a prosecutor's and well, here it's a kind of a lawyer's game to dirty you up, but ostensibly and this is the, a legal reality you'll be dealing with when you're called. The relevance is they get to make any point they can about your credibility, even little Billy's money, unless it's too crazy, on the theory that for that reason, the fact finder being Judge Engeron, again, not a jury, should not believe everything you're saying about the actual case. That's, that's the notion. And they are going to they, you know, they don't. They have only so many cards to play. That's a big one for them. They're going to play it big time. Sorry to say. Yeah, and um, yeah, me too. And what makes it even more um, uh, abusive is I'm not subject to X number of hours. Oh, no. that they have me for. That's right. They could they could bring me back for a week. That's right. I mean. This is at some point, Engeron will say that's enough, and he is the kind of guy who won't let him go on forever and ever. And I don't see that being reversed on appeal. But that's you know, if you were down in Mar-a-Lago, who knows, right? With a with a less strong judge, so you're exactly right. You know, my hope is that Engeron um, really holds them to a narrow um frame yeah field but that simply field because credibility in general but yeah he's a good judge i think for these purposes like even today the first witness he chastised he said this is ridiculous you know about just how long they were taken on the first accountant so you know. but they didn't but they didn't stop that's well, the whole problem well you, yeah. know, you know it's great slap your hand onto the table issue a gag order for only your what do you call it for your, or your clerks yeah. Right. What about the re the rest of us? This is the whole problem. So I get yep. it. Meanwhile, Bender, Donald Bender of Mazers, the witness, was yeah. still sitting there. You know, um, on he's still sitting there being asked a multitude of questions. Now, the hope is that the questions that are being asked of him are germane to the case. That's the only point that I'm. And what happens hypothetically if they, in my opinion, very much like what happened. Uh, with some of the GOP members at that House Oversight Committee hearing where they they got nasty. I mean, it was like low blows and nasty and the whole nine yards, at which point in time I I hit back, you know, with you know, with them uh, and so on. I don't want to I, I don't want to I, 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 I don't want to weed and dine his garden. But I think what she'll tell you is. You know, you, that that is um, the AG's job. Your Honor, please instruct the lawyers for Mr. Trump not to badger the witness. Or they, yes, that's right, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe even does it himself. Or Greenfield, who we who were told uh, participates sometime. Or here's one other thing that will happen. At a certain point, you'll have the, the Tish James's lawyers come up and say, asked and answered, sustained. Asked and answers, sustained. And, you know, that, but he is, the one thing Engeron doesn't want to do is create a record where they had actual things to bring up that he prevents them from and make some kind of due process thing on on appeal. But in general, 
Um, I'm, you know, I, you, you're your own guy. You've gotten far in life uh, without this advice, but most witnesses would be told, let, you know, your, it, let Engeron and the lawyer handling your examination be the people who say that and not uh, you. But, you know, that's, uh, you'll, you'll see what Danya and, uh, and yeah. these guys say. Yeah. By the way, by the way, I just wanted to make the conversation. I'm actually really prepared. Uh, just, so, just so you know, I'm, I've never gone into anything unprepared. It's not a matter of preparation. Oh, yeah. It's a matter of getting your goat. Will they say shit that will get your goat? I think so. You're a human being. Um, and you feel all, right. I'll just all, all in all I'll not just, well I'll, treated I'll, by the whole system here. So that's the point, is is what you do so not to get your goat. Of course, it's different. Again, all, people should always remember this. Judge, not a jury. You lose your shit, say, yeah. You know, how much is the judge going to put on that as opposed to juror five saying, right. wow, did you see what happened? Yeah. Yeah. So, again, yesterday you wrote about Donald Bender of Mazers. And while still on the stand, said that Trump organization provided supporting data for financial statements and each year certified it was Trump org's duty to provide accurate information. Do me a favor, explain this whole issue to my listeners, you know, what this means in the bigger picture for the trial. Okay, here we are in the simple part of the case. It's the lie, stupid. The thing that Trump keeps saying, by the way, there was this big um, uh, disclaimer that was from Bender, not from Trump. But what it what it means is one of the, it's it, it's clear from Bender's testimony that Trump had an obligation to give all this documentation, and he didn't do it. Bender said I was basically there to compile it, and they didn't fit their responsibility. What does that all mean legally? I would suggest basically next to nothing because it's the lie, stupid, and whether they they knew about it at the time. So you, it's a sideshow whether Bender should have done this, that, or the other thing. As long as they're telling whoppers as they were that could have influenced, and it could have. I mean, even though Trump says, oh, they got their money back, but they'd have had more money back if Trump had been honest because they'd have charged a higher rate, et cetera. All this stuff about did uh, did the accountants do their full job? I just don't think under New York law it actually matters. So that's the notion. They'll try to say the accountant should have done it. It's their fault. Nobody was hurt. But if you look at this very expansive law, I mean, I could imagine if it weren't Trump in a different situation thinking, wow, this is pretty harsh medicine. Do we really want the state to have it? But be that as it may, um, they do. And, you know, so it's all it's all a side show, basically. But the argument is uh, Bender and others who come who come after him will say we did our job and the Trump guys didn't do theirs. Trump will try to say the opposite. But at some point on page 46, there's that valuation that's just a lie. And that's what really matters. The rest is, as I said, a forensic slog. That's how I see this trial. Mm, I agree with you. So let me switch gears for a yeah. quick second and discuss why you believe Trump didn't try, did not try and move his Georgia case to federal court. Because you wrote in the L.A. Times yeah. that Trump, and I quote, has determined that the state court is better for him than the federal court. That means that all the factors that might have favored removal 
came to be outweighed in his mind. Do me a favor, unpack for me why you think that this is the way it is in this specific case, because it may also go to the reason why that Trump's not having a jury trial here in this New York AG's case, some positing that New York juries are not fans of Trump and that it would be even worse for him. So unpack that for me. Sure. And thanks for the opportunity, because I'm I'm in a uh, minority here. Most people said, oh, look what happened to Meadows. And it would have been really hard. He would have had to testify. He wouldn't have had to testify. And he would have preserved an issue on appeal. And Trump doesn't care about taking long shots. I think we have to conclude he decided that state court is where he wanted to be and why. He's seen, I mean, you would know, you know, the personal qualities and animosities that underlie this better than anybody, but he's got an African-American Obama appointee Democrat who's a seasoned judge who's been really tough on removal. And that's that would be the guy who would preside over all the trial, make all the evidentiary determinations, et cetera, Mm -hmm. on the one hand. And then back in state court, the very young uh, just elected, up for re-election in 2024, so subject to those pressures. Federalist Society, Republican, appointed by a Republican. And I just think in Trump's worldview, that's what made the difference. Give me the Republican young white guy. And um, I think he's probably wrong. That is, I, you know, I really want to make clear that I think McAfee so far has been excellent and will remain Excellent. But to me, there's, you know, people are just missing out, missing what the way Trump thinks when they say, oh, it was a long shot. And, uh, you know, he or they're saying, oh, he could he can just go on Meadows's coattails. That means he would rather be in federal court. And it's just not true, even though people would say an immunity motion normally better in federal court. But I think his simplistic, you could say crass. You could say racist. I'm not necessarily saying it. Sees the two judges and says, give me this guy in state court and adds to it, by the way, that totally, uh, you know, suck up little paragraph uh, because I know you'll do so well by me, et cetera. So mm-hmm. to me, he uh, he changed the, the default and he's going for state court because he likes the judge better. And that's the that's Trump think to me. Yeah. So look, as the hour, of course, ah, goes by boom. quick. Yep. We had this many, many times. Here's my last question for you, because obviously last night uh, was a very big night with the removal of Kevin McCarthy as House Speaker. Yeah. I mean, unfucking un- precedented. I mean, we don't have a speaker who the hell knows in like 30 days or 40 days. Yeah. You have the uh, you have the um, showdown again for the debt ceiling and yeah. whether or not the government's going to shut down. This is just, once again, really bad timing. Are we That's, doomed yeah. for somebody worse to fill the position? Because I'm hearing, I, the same as everybody else, that Jim Jordan now has his you know, his name He's put his hat in, in, the, the in the hat. Steve Scalise. Matt Gates yep. is another one that they're talking about, though most people think that yep. Gates did this uh, to Kevin McCarthy because he wants to run for governor of Florida against DeSantis. Tell me this. 
Does this secretly bode well for Democrats in 2024 as the GOP basically descends into chaos and infighting? They are going to beat the shit out of each other, very much like McCarthy did to Gates last night, very much like another, uh, the guy from, I, I feel, where is he from? Maybe Alabama did, or Tennessee did to another Republican. You know, they're all now attacking each other for the removal of McCarthy. Well, McCarthy was my friend, and, you know, and this is a personal issue, and, you know, it's childish, it's churlish, it's yada, yada. All this infighting and chaos, does it do anything for the Democrats in 2024? Though I want to follow my credo that I use on TV, which is, you know, just answer the damn question, and I will. But let me just say first, it's terrible for the country, and the, the clown car is now, you know, the wheels have fallen off. It is the biggest mess and just the high watermark of irresponsibility. But on that narrow political question... Wouldn't on my expertise? I think so. I mean, I think they look like a total mess and that and they're affiliated very much. It's not just they, but especially the crazy, you know, handful, half a dozen, maybe MAGA types, all of whom are beholden to uh, Trump. McCarthy got into trouble because he was sucking up to them and because Trump insisted. That's why he did other things like the impeachment inquiry to me. It's very vivid evidence of like, we got to get these clowns out if we ever want to have a working government. And I think most uh, people in America would like to have a working government. So on that narrow question, uh, Michael, it's, you know, you get what you pay for it because not my field. But I think so. I think it's got to be good for Democrats. You know, I want to just finish with this thought yeah. for a second because it dawned on to me yesterday at night. If Trump, who is presumably going to be the Republican nominee yeah. for 2024, if he wanted to show an act that he was presidential, that he exudes strength and capable, he should have picked up the phone, called folks like Matt Gates, right, this chaos caucus, yeah. and said, knock the shit off. Yeah, back down. Vote, yeah. keep him in, back down. We'll figure it all out, right? I need you to do this act like a statesman for his party. Instead, he let McCarthy just basically hang, right? Which he, of course, would have let Mike Pence hang on January 6th. But he went ahead, he let him, instead of doing anything, which just goes to show you, it's just another act of Trump that has no basis in anything. It's all of, again, his lies. It's all of his inactions. It's, it's basically he brings nothing to the table. And that's really the saddest part because you're right. America needs to be, you know, we, we need to have a full government working on behalf of the citizenry. And we don't have that right now. And who knows when the next GOP clown is going to come out of the clown car, as you properly put it. So, Harry, let me thank you, my brother. I appreciate you for everything, the insight, the, the um, advice or the sort of uh, historical advice onto this. Uh, there's so much going on. So much. So much. All right, Michael. Nice talking to you. I'm actually going to be gone for most of October, so I won't see you for a bit. Keep the Republic together, please, and I'll see you in November. Safe travel, brother. Bye. Bye. And now for today's mea culpa. Donald Trump dropped his lawsuit against me, not because of a scheduling problem or even because he was afraid of the truth, 
but because he knows that he is losing the fight. In the past week, we have watched as Trump has been neutered and fucking humiliated. The effects of that will be profound. You see, it seems that Trump has gone from boogeyman to butt of the joke. He's no longer feared for what he can do, but rather for the wake of trouble that he brings with him, like the baggage. And this is bad news for Trump. You see, again, his image as a strong man, it's being dissipated. So watching him bray at the screen, one is reminded less of Vladimir Putin than Randy Macho Man Savage, the WWE villain who preened in front of cameras as a wrestling heel until he became too old to fight and became a joke, a punchline. And that's what Trump has become, a fucking political punchline. And it's only a matter of time that whatever basis support that he has left all but disappears with him. Why? Because again, he's a fucking joke. But while all of this is going on, what's not a joke is the attack on Israel. So I say to all of our supporters, well, I don't want to see anyone die. I want to see all the hostages returned. I don't want to see a single Israeli die. I don't want to see any Palestinians die. But as it is right now, as it stands with Hamas, we all must stand with Israel. So please, my friends, join me and stand with Israel. And as always... Thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. Written by Jimmy Jelinek. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Mea culpa, nothing but the truth.